dated fossil fuel industry that doesn't provide local jobs is not long-term and comes with huge risks. Instead of um, looking at renewable energy or something that you know could provide long-term benefits to a local community such as ours, but also just um, addressing issues like climate change. Just keep in mind that we're getting squashed between miners on the land and oil miners on the ocean and we're getting squashed in the middle. So if they meet, we've got nothing. I don't know what it is. I I think European people in Australia and also uh, overseas companies probably don't understand that us Indigenous Australians are still here. We're still on our country. Welcome to Earth Matters, environmental and social justice news from Australia and the world, produced in the studios of 3CR Radio on the land of the Kulin Nation and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm Jem Rommeld. We have three excellent guests on the show today. First up, we'll speak with Ani Sue Common hasseldine a cook of the elder from Sejuna, South Australia, who has been working with the Clean Bite Alliance to stop companies like BP and Chevron from drilling for oil in the Great Australian Bite. Then we'll talk to Brioni Carbines, a Sejuna local and one of the founders of the Clean Bite Alliance. She'll tell us how to get involved in the fight to protect the bite. Last up, we'll speak with Rose Lester, a Yankanjata Anangu woman who is very busy maintaining Aboriginal languages and defending her country in northern South Australia, including interpreting a radio show into language. This is keeping remote Aboriginal communities informed and up-to-date on threats to country and how to stand against these threats together. Well, we're, we're a ground roots group from the Sejuna area and um, we formed to stop this the BP from drilling in the bite and Chevron and a couple of others as well and we've looked at what's happened in the Gulf of Mexico and we don't want anything like that to happen to our beautiful pristine bite so we formed a little little local group called Clean Bite Alliance Australia and that's full of Sejuna on the ground people can you place us on the on the map where's Sejuna and, and where's the area of the bite that they're looking at the uh, Sejuna is like just about in the middle of the Great Australian Bight and the area of the Bight that the miners are looking at is about 200 kilometres offshore but BP's already said that they've never drilled so deep and they've never drilled in such wide open wild waters before so it, I guess it's another experiment for Sejuna and surrounding districts because if anything should happen it's going to take them three months or something to get the cleaning gear to to the site of the accident and by then I would imagine that the oil spill will be you know like on on the shore and there goes all our seafood our whales come in there to give birth at head a bite uh, there's so many different things to consider like myself and my family that's our way of life when we go out and get seafood either fishing, you know, in a boat or off the jetty, but we depend a lot on when the tide goes out. That's the main time we go to get all our shell food and all of that could be at risk. We've, we're the home of the oyster farmers. That would be at risk. The tuna fishermen, the ordinary fishermen, you know, everybody's got a livelihood there and the whole lot will be put at risk just through BP threatening us like this plus the stress it brings on, just the worry that, that you know, they will go ahead anyway. 
regardless. Because the BP fella told me that as far as they're concerned, it was a, go- it was a done deal. When did you first find out about their, their plans and how did you find out? Oh, gee, I'm not sure just how long ago when we found out, but it was in the local paper and I guess it was on media and some of our, our young ones that's joined the movement, they get onto Facebook and stuff, Google, and when we, as soon as we found out, we formed the local group to start the fight against it. Now we've got the Wilderness Society, Sea Shepherd, and I'm not sure who else yet are coming on board to fight this fight with us. Hopefully our listeners. Hopefully our listeners will just, you know, like, like I've told a lot of people, it's not the Great Barrier Reef, it's the Great Australian Bite, and the importance of that place is on a par with the Great Barrier Reef. So, you know, if, if the listeners are fighting for the Great Barrier Reef, come help us fight for the Great Australian Bite. I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade. Has BP or any of the other companies that are looking at drilling for oil, did they come to Sejuna and have they had any community consultations? Yes, they did. That's how come I knew that they said it was a, a done deal as far as they're concerned and make a huge rig being done made up in Korea that's almost ready to move into the bite and the amount of time it would take for them to get anywhere near, a, near an accident site. It's, I, I found all that out by going to a meeting and you know they were just quite open about it and pretty arrogant too, I think. So according to them, it's, it's a done deal unless the community finds a way to stop it? Well, they didn't even take the community in, into consideration, so it's the community now that's looking at ways of stopping them and trying to pull the government in line with us, but so far all we've got is the Greens. You've written a book about um, your bush foods, and I know that's, that looks at the, the desert foods and the water foods. Um, what, what kind of foods would be at risk from an oil spill in the bite? Um, there's all the uh, shell food like oysters, scallops, cockles, um, razorfish, crabs. And th- there is a section in, in that little book about the seafood that we collect. But then what about the animals, you know, the dolphins and every other animal in the ocean, not just whales, they're a big part, but so is everything else. And then the shorebirds and... You know, it's, it's the whole big thing that we worry about and we really need to stop this before it happens. You've already been part of a lot of battles to stop mining on your country with the sand mining and um, stopping uranium mining. Um, how, does this, how does this campaign remind you or what are the similarities with those other ones? Well, I guess the similarities is the arrogance. Um, you know, we can just come and do what we want, regardless. We don't really care about what you lower people are talking about. But we're on the ground, we live this life, and all they'll do is come in, take what they want, leave, leave the mess for the locals to clean up, and maybe we won't even have any seafood or, or, any, or and on the land, the bush tucker as well. So because we connect with both the the land and the ocean we need to protect both and for us 
it's an ongoing battle for any government or mining companies they can take their people off and give them a holiday but with us we're there on the front line permanently we don't get that break and we've just been talking for the last four nights about how nuclear bomb testing has poisoned the country (laughs) so I'd imagine you definitely don't need any more threat of poisoning your bush foods with the radioactive uncertainty hanging over everything because of the bomb tests in the 50s and 60s. I think with a community effort, we could potentially stop this. How would, how would you want our listeners to support you? Well, I'd like our listeners to get online and check out Clean Bite Alliance Australia or the wilderness site, the Great Bite Alliance, Great Australian Bite Alliance, and um, maybe target the MPs Just keep in mind that we're getting squashed between miners on the land and oil miners on the ocean, and we're getting squashed in the middle. So if they meet, we've got nothing. Is there anything else you want to say? Well, if you can just throw your weight behind us, and anything helps, really. Even a small donation to um, Clean Bite Alliance, because that's the little homegrown group that we've got to pay for everything we do, any printing or anything, and that's coming out of poor people's pockets. <laughs> Thank you so much, Annie Sue, for talking to Earth Matters. You're welcome. Thank you. We just heard from Annie Sue Common-Hasseldine, a Guga the Elder from Sejuna, talking about BP and other companies' plans to turn the Great Australian Bite into their oil field. Let's hear more about that from Brioni Carbines of the Clean Bite Alliance Australia. Under the sea, darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. Up on the shore, they work all day. Out in the sun, they slave away. We're now speaking with Brioni Carbines. Uh, welcome to the show, Brioni. Thank you, Jim. Could you please tell us about the Clean Bite Alliance? Sure. We're um, a local group based in Sajuna in South Australia. So our little town sits on the edge of the Nullarbor, heading west. Um, and we're a group, kind of a diverse group of people um, that are really concerned about offshore oil and gas um, exploration in the bite. When did this alliance come together? We came together in 2014. Um, the local paper announced on its front page that BP had secured a, um, a deal with a helicopter company that would uh, resource their exploration activities. But before that, there'd sort of been murmurs that, that, that there was companies interested in exploring for oil and gas in the bite, but nothing had been announced. So it was a bit of a shock to kind of have that um, not only was exploration for oil and gas happening, but it was already at a stage where a helicopter, you know, a company was being contracted to provide equipment for that. So uh, we got together um, a group of us who sort of were concerned about this, what this might mean, um, and the fact that also the company, the the key company who's um, involved with the most advanced exploration alliances is BP, who were responsible for um, you know the world's worst oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico in 2010. Okay, and do you think that's partly why there's a currently a Senate inquiry going on into gas and oil exploration in the Bight? Yeah, I think there's definitely been. Um, growing public concern um, and uh, we as a local group but also some other major environmental groups are sort of 
started to ask big questions about, you know, well, is the approval process adequate enough to assess such a, a risky project? Um, the next phase where BP's hoping to get to is that it's the drilling for samples, which is the same phase that the accident at Deepwater Horizon in the Gulf of Mexico happened. It's the most risky phase of oil exploration. Um, so, and... NOPSEMA, uh, the, the regulatory body that looks after oil and offshore oil and gas exploration, um, doesn't require companies to release a lot of their information publicly. So we haven't seen an oil spill modelling, the oil spill modelling data from BP or their emergency um, plan. So um, I, hopefully the Senate committee can bring some more information to light because a lot of it happens behind closed doors and. Obviously, with an oil spill, it has you know can have huge impacts and really long-term impacts. So, communities along the coast, but also you know, in general, need to know what's at risk um, and what the plan is if something goes wrong. Mm. And have they visited the community in Sejuna, and have they tried to allay fears about um, what about their ability to respond to an accident at all? BP have definitely been present in the community. We also have meetings and we found the information to be really limited um, and, you know, just providing us with information that is already exists in the public sphere so they're not telling us anything new and, um, yeah, we think there's a lot of information and detail that needs to be conveyed um, to, to community groups but also, you know, um, industry groups. So... Um, seafood and fishing industries and tourism are big um, employers locally and um, really important part of our economy. So um, we'd like to see a bit more um, effort to um, make sure those industries understand what the risks are. Mm, and what else, what else is at stake um, from your perspective and the perspective of the Clean Bite Alliance? So there's, I mean, there's lots of impacts. So from just really, really locally, just kind of noise pollution, the helicopters they're going to use to transport workers are really, really big and really noisy. Um, but um, but also if the the spill happens, if a spill happens, you know, obviously um, the area is really biologically rich and there's a lot of endemic species that don't occur anywhere else. That's um, migratory pathways and um, carving areas for you know, endangered species like the southern right whale. Um, but broader than that, I guess it's... The, for my concern is that it's taking the area um, and, you know, and the economy for Australia in general in the wrong direction. So a, a dated fossil fuel industry that doesn't provide local jobs is not long-term and comes with huge risks. Um, instead of... Um, looking at renewable energy or something that, you know, could provide long-term benefits to a local community such as ours, but also just um, addressing issues like climate change. So it, it feels like a backward step when we, when we really need to be taking forward steps in thinking about what, what future we're leaving our children in terms of jobs and um, healthy climate and healthy oceans. This is Earth Matters, produced in the studios of 3CR in Fitzroy, Victoria, and broadcast all across these stolen lands we call Australia on the Community Radio Network. I'm here now with Rose Lester, who is a great defender of her country. 
And uh, first I'll ask you to introduce yourself, Rose, and tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Rose Murray Lester and I'm from Wallatina, which is on the Anangupindjara Yangunjara lands. Um, I grew up at Mimili and then later lived at Wallatina for 16 years. Um, and I'm passionate about justice and I'm passionate about the environment as well and cultural heritage and maintaining language and living a happy life with family. I'm interested to hear about a radio program on, at Radio Adelaide called The Paper Tracker and how you're involved in, um, in that and how that gets word out to communities on the APY lands about, um, about what the government's doing and about threats to country. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, uh, when I was living out at Wallatina um, and just before I left to take kids to school and, and for other medical reasons, but um, suddenly we found this mining company at our doorstep drilling in our horse paddock. Like It's about three kilometres from my home. And um, and I was so disappointed and upset, and I wondered like why we weren't consulted um, when they signed that agreement. So I had to do my research and um, backtrace how how it happened, and and I found a lot of um, errors in process and also uh, governance issues and. So I wanted to I wanted to correct that, and and so I looked at um, my skill set and how I could, uh, I don't know, utilise it and try to protect the environment and my cultural heritage. So I um, started researching, and I came across a website which was the Unknown Lands Paper Tracker, and Jonathan Nichols was doing that project at the time, and. It had really useful information on there about uh, what government was saying and doing for our region. and But the only gap that I saw was that it wasn't in language. Because somehow there was these consults going on on the APY lands between government and industry, but the people were missing out on getting the message. And we're the traditional owners. We have rights to our land. So um, I, I rang Jonathan and um, asked him if there was some way we could put in a language component and Jonathan, to his credit, went away and thought about it and then within like two weeks came back and said, how would you feel about a radio station, a radio program where you could do the interpreting and cover the stories so Anangul can understand uh, what government are saying and doing and then be able to make be better informed and make good decisions um, in meetings and when they're consulted and all, all that negotiation rah rah. So when did you start doing the translations? The interpretation it is so um, the interpretation started about six years ago and I don't know how many um, programs we've done now but I think we'd be well over 200 now. Wow and have you had any feedback when you've been out in communities of people that have heard heard you on the paper tracker and um, 
found out something that's going on that they wouldn't otherwise know about? Yeah, um, yeah. the women really tune in because they, they want to um, become knowledgeable and um, they're concerned also for the children's future and, and they're concerned about the rapid change that's happening on the lands and, and, they, and they want to be better informed and, and, and be um, up there with the issues when they come to the communities and that so um, and a lot of people are saying keep going keep going it's good you know because um, at times you think is it are people really listening but we do get a lot of feedback and they're saying keep doing it because without you we wouldn't know half of the things so What, what are the main current threats that you can think of to your to your homelands? The, uh, oh, the current threats are um, the homelands being defunded. So um, there's no no uh, municipal services for homelands. Um, therefore, you know, the water's not water's not being maintained, and uh, people are relocating to communities. Um, We've got, of course, you know, social sector, um, social services with Centrelink. I think they closed down a couple of offices there, so people find it difficult to contact Centrelink. Um, uh, lots of programs got cut. You know, we know that the, you know, once the Tony Abbott got into government, a lot of services got cut, and it's really tough out there for people in the remote region. You know, ever-increasing threat of mining companies and exploration and um, trying to get out that technical stuff to Anangu to communicate that is a challenge. And, um, yeah, fracking, which, is, which has happened on the APY lands. Um, I did speak to the minister once and he, he was completely unaware that it happened. The, our environmental minister, so I was concerned that there's no communication happening, and that that really needs to be addressed. And I'd like to see APY get a communication strategy in place, because those traditional owners are being neglected, and our rights are being dismissed, and it's not good enough in this t- um, day and age to be treated like that. Um, yeah, so it's the mining, the social sector, social services, justice, the, yeah, just lack of services and opportunities and employment for young people and programs. The other day you were telling me about your new Facebook page. Can you tell me about that now? Yeah, I've set up a Facebook page. Just This was to do with the um, nuclear issue and... So I've called it Ngora, which means place or country, and... N-G-U-R-A, so look it up. We've got a few stories in there and then I should be able to upload some ICANN stuff um, from our tour and um, start to... It, it, it's basically information for people that um, want to join our struggle and our campaign. And, um, yeah, it's an invite for white Australians, our um, environmental friends to get
get on the page and listen to what Aaron was saying and, um, what's, and get an update also. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about on this show? Um, no, no, just wanting to get the message out to Arnongo and all, all Aboriginal Australians to um, keep an eye on your cultural heritage and, and your important places um, because it's, it's just such, there's such a big threat because uh, I don't know what it is. I, th- I think European people in Australia and also uh, overseas companies probably don't understand that us Indigenous Australians are still here, we're still on our country and and you know they should engage with us and try to get to know us and then they would see how important these sites are to us and our, our culture and and for our future generations and, and maybe they could share it as well and learn from our experiences and our environment and we value it. We love it, and we want to. We want to maintain it and keep it. And yeah, just if you can, just stay overseas and stay on your own piece of land, and 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 maybe go about fixing that up or or protecting that. Or at least try stop trying to exploit your land. Yeah, don't exploit our land. We, you know, we we really want to save what we've got left and. Um, a lot of damage has been done in the 228 years, but uh, we'd like to now contribute again, once again, now that we're um, citizens of Australia and and we have our native title rights and um, we have some of us have land rights and therefore we'd like to try and heal the wrongdoings of the past and be able to move on and uh, look after what's what's left of ours. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with Earth Matters today. Thank you. That was Rosemary Lester, a Yankanjara Anangu woman who, along with Ani Sue, recently finished a four-day, four-city speaking tour on the impacts of nuclear testing in Australia and the Pacific. She spoke to us about her work interpreting information on what's happening on country to remote communities in South Australia. You can find her Facebook page by looking up Nura Country, That's N-G-U-R-A. Remember also to find the Clean Bite Alliance page to get in touch with Brioni and Auntie Sue. Please donate to the Clean Bite Alliance and you can get involved wherever you live by getting in touch with the Great Australian Bite Alliance, which the Sejuna Group is a part of. Their website is fightforthebite.org.au. That's all we have time for on this week's edition of Earth Matters, produced at 3CR Radio on Wurundjeri Country and broadcast all across Australia on the Community Radio Network. I'm Jem Rummeld, and you can get in touch with us by emailing earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or call us up at the station on 03 9419 8377. Our podcasts are available on the 3CR website, which is 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters. The music you've heard on today's show has been a mixed bag of ocean-themed songs from The Beatles, The Little Mermaid, Nine Inch Nails, Radiohead, and we'll go out now with Old Ships to Ground by Eddie. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to bringing more environmental and social justice news to your ears next week.
here is a lot more sneaky than it is in Rwanda or other places around the world. It's one thing white fellas learnt in the last 200 years to be very sneaky about their genocide. You look at the 38 nations that were here before white settlement and then you count up the numbers that are still surviving, still out there doing their business on their country. Well, there's only 25 left, so what happened to the other 13? Let's talk about the Black GST. Genocide to be stopped, sovereignty acknowledged and treaties made. Tune in to Fire First every Wednesday from 11am till 12 midday on 3CR with Robbie Thorpe.